1: Hey you baby faces and heels, and thanks for taking some time to listen to the 70 second drop in the scoring at the movie's bucket. We travel back in time and review old sports movies, and please don't go mental on us if you don't like spoilers because we're going to spoil away. Just don't be mental. The English love that word. I'm the dark haired shorty who gets inspiration for his name from his favorite TV show Shaqami Wiggum Ryan Ellis Wigum. And here's my podcast partner who's no wanka, but he's trying to be the first him. The Nature Boy, Chris DiGregorio.
0: Now give us a woo, Chris. Woo! (laughs) I can never do the woo. I can't do the woo either. I'm super excited to be sitting down to talk about Fight Club with you today. It's a little bit of a stretch as a sports movie, but I do consider myself a modern day Tyler Durden, at least in terms of raw alpha male sexuality. So really jazzed for this one. Just watched it earlier today. Ready to go. This is an inside meta joke, isn't it, about the fact you watched the wrong movie
1: that we were going to record last night, and you had to watch the movie itself, meaning this movie instead, and we'll do that movie, Glory Road, in a few days.
0: That's true. This is the first time in my life I've actually worked ahead, school or otherwise. I'm actually ahead of the curriculum for the first time in my 40 years on this planet, so that's pretty great. And it is always entertaining watching your particular routine leading up to podcasts recording of the podcast anyway particularly for wrestling movies because the similarities between you and the rock getting himself pumped up and into character are just like you're separated at birth it's something else just as dwayne johnson or the rock is dwayne johnson only face turned way up and trouble turned way down i feel like podcast ryan is the same thing it's just treble turned way up bass turned way down when you don't hear ryan with a microphone in front of his face he sounds like very white it's incredible but get him in front of a microphone <laughs> and <laughs> or wig him <laughs> <laughs> stick him away toys
1: you know what's funny about that rock thing saying that he said it before stone cold steve austin said it before i'm sure other wrestlers have said it before that it's the bass treble thing you just discussed But when you listen to Steve Austin do interviews on his podcast, and when you watch The Rock in this movie, when he's just being Dwayne Johnson through most of the movie, that's what he's doing. He's not really being The Rock. Or when you watch him do other things, he doesn't seem like this. I'll say it. The Rock character is an asshole. He is a bullying asshole. But Dwayne Johnson seems like he's nothing like that. Steve Austin doesn't seem like a redneck type. I'll kick everybody's ass. Steve Austin seems like a sweet dude in his podcast most of the time. Mick Foley, Undertaker, are clearly putting on characters, too. So when they say that, there's always that part of me
0: that says, I don't really fully believe you, but I don't really care that much either. There's unquestionably like a huge acting element to it. And that's one of the interesting things about, as opposed to basically any other wrestling-related movie I can ever think of, particularly fictionalized ones, There's actually an emphasis placed in fighting with my family on your microphone work and winning people over through the acting element of it. Promos. Yeah, the promos. So when I hear somebody like Dwayne Johnson say, I've just turned the bass way up and it's really me, everyone's got that little element of their personality that they're probably not too proud of. That little spiteful bullying impulse kind of bit that you bury down because we live in a society, people. But if you just tap into that, that's going to be me for the next hour, and I'm just going to amplify that and scream that voice out instead of all the good instincts that I've learned to cultivate over my life. I could see it. That's a fair argument. I struggle to think of a sweeter sounding human being on the planet than Dwayne Johnson. But man, when he goes full Rocky on you, I also can't imagine a more intimidating person to be standing in front of me just in terms of Mm -hmm. sheer volume and expressiveness and of course, physicality. So we contain multitudes sometimes. It makes sense that he's a good actor then because he's got those... I don't know. He's got more range than a lot of... Well, certainly more than Hulk Hogan ever had. <laughs> Wait, what was that terrible Hulk Hogan action movie that he headlined? Was he like Mr. Nanny or something?
1: And Yes. No Holds Barred was his first movie, or one of anyway. He's got a cameo in Gremlins too,
0: where people have said he was terrible. I thought his cameo was fine. And of course, his famous cameo as Thunder Lips in... Rocky three Rocky three right? he was good in that that's true
1: okay first of all before you I think you're about to open a beer there are you way ahead of you sir okay good I'm drinking water because it's still the afternoon we're recording before we have dinner and do our trivia game so I'll be with Chris on zoom a lot today before we get started in the actual podcast though I gotta ask you for one thing ask for the horn come on ask for the horn (laughs) you know you want to quit We've done 72, I think I said, of this. You're done. Ask for the horn.
0: I've been asking for the horn every episode since episode number three. <laughs> you won't give it to me. It's a cruel mind game. <laughs> this is what he doesn't tell you listeners. is Ryan has a relentless regime of mental degradation that he puts me through on a day-to-day basis to make sure that I'm ready for the recording. And I'm a ball of raw clay to be shaped by his hosting desires. So... I'm the Vince Vaughn of this podcast. (laughs) Yes. So what are
1: you drinking? I don't think you actually said what you are drinking there.
0: In the long and storied history of me drinking the manliest beers I can get my hands on, I'm drinking a raspberry hibiscus gosa. Stone Cold would be proud to smash this (laughs) on his face in the middle of a ring. A couple of Kriskies.
1: Okay, so Luchando con mi familia was released by MGM, United Artists, and WWE Studios, of course, on February 22nd. 2019 so just over two years ago it grossed four times its budget worldwide so hey successful film good job by rock and everybody else and if you look at the poster you think that rock is in this movie constantly while her family is clearly in the background although i guess that's a good metaphor for the movie so you saw for the first time last night I did. you didn't see it a few days ago like you're supposed to but that's fine (laughs) We haven't discussed at all what you thought about it. I'll say off the top, I was surprised by this movie the first time. I liked it way more than I ever thought I would. I liked it almost as much the second time, maybe not quite as much.
0: But what did you think? I'm probably predisposed to this kind of movie going in because I really enjoy the British sensibility of low grade humor and stuff like that. So somebody like Nick Frost being this and Stephen Merchant, even in a small role in Merchant's case. And of course, Lena Headey is... Heady Hetty? I can never remember how to pronounce her. I think it's actually Heady. I think I heard that recently. Yeah, so Lena Headey, I forget at times how much I actually like her when she's not playing Cersei Lannister, because <laughs> she's a really fun actor as well. The tone and tenor of the movie, I just enjoy. It's really an examination, of course, of this young woman's professional development and journey within the context of her family. But it's got interspersed through it all these little bits of Britishy humor that I just freaking love every time. Even the running gags about this poor guy's penis falling out of his dad's wrestling shorts that they keep <laughs> revisiting time and time again, and he's just constantly defending himself. I went into it probably in a good headspace to watch it, and I enjoyed it. The one thing I will say about it, though, is I probably felt less about Paige's journey through the movie than I did about Zach's, which I found interesting. Okay. I felt like there were opportunities. I was surprised at how well they did with in terms of character development, but a few opportunities missed and a few opportunities to really pump up her journey. Because even though I know it's a biographical story, knowing nothing about her at all or her story, I'm sure that they fictionalized a good swath of it for dramatic purposes, right? You know the stories of the wrestlers a lot better than I do.
1: I wasn't watching anymore when Paige came on the scene. So that title win was based on reality. It was an after WrestleMania, like the show and the movie. And that's WrestleMania 30 was the day before April, 2014. I followed the sport, the business, whatever, all along, ever since I stopped watching when I moved in with Bev in 2012. So I know who she is, but I don't know that much about her. She's a lot bigger than Florence Pugh. Florence Pugh is so tiny. She's five foot three. And yet the actual page is taller than me. She's five, eight. But Pew is still well cast at the same point. Now, we said this leading into this podcast two weeks ago. You've never seen a Florence Pugh movie. But in this same year, 2019, she did the Oscar nominated for her, well, for many things, but for her supporting performance in Little Women. Mm -hmm. And the probably best movie of the three, but not my favorite of those three, because I just like this one more, Midsummer, which Bev and I covered, I think it was last summer. And it's a very powerful film. And she's great in that. But she was nominated for a lot of awards that year. So you see in the awards section of this movie that she was nominated for a ton of things. And it looks like it's all fighting for my family. But it's just because she was lumped in with three different performances. And it was such a big year for her. So I think she's really good. The real person had a rougher ending to her career. But they don't portray this at all in the film. She had some kind of, I think, ongoing back injury or neck injury. I think it's yeah. a neck injury, actually. And then a wrestler did a move that they've all done a thousand times. Paige got hurt. And she had to retire at 22 or something like that. And she came back as a GM with them a few years ago, and I don't know if she's doing that anymore. But she's a very intriguing real-life person. But as for the brother, I agree with you that even though Pew is great and she's clearly the main person of this movie, they do balance it decently well. Mm-hmm. It's probably 60-40 or 65-35. Maybe it's even closer to 50-50. I didn't really do the math, obviously. But here's my nutshell, and it really applies to what you just said about his journey being the one that you were more into. To my big brother, Zach, the richest man in town. <laughs> Yeah. Because much like George Bailey, he's doing important things back home. He's helping out all those young people, especially the blind kid, giving that blind kid something to do. They razz him. It's very gentle taunting. It's the kind of taunting you want people to do, which is, oh, come on, you can't do it. Yes, you can do it kind of taunting. And he's also raising his own kid. So he is a George Bailey surrogate. It takes him a long time. and then, Well, not that long, I guess, but a year or two to finally grasp that and get past his own jealousy of her. I'm not sure that's real, but Zach is real. There's another brother, which we see in the movie. The parents are real. All that stuff is real. Mm -hmm. I don't know if there is such tension between them because I think I read somewhere that he got signed to and didn't work out or something, but I do like that relationship a lot. Jack Loudon has only been acting for a few years. He was in Dunkirk, one of the many faceless people in that movie. But I would think if people see this movie, they might want to cast him in all kinds of things because he's obviously got a decent physicality for a relatively scrawny guy. But he could certainly do the emotions properly. And he's so human. Yeah, He is the one saying to her, you're not quitting because I didn't get signed. Like she wants to when Hutch says, we only want Paige. We don't want you. You don't have it, kid. She's more angry than he is about that. And of course, he's devastated. But he's also the one saying, no, you're not going to bail on this. But the interesting thing in the movie, maybe one reason I like this movie so much the first and now second time, is it would be so easy for him to be an asshole to her at that point. But he isn't. It would also be easy for him to just be completely supportive the whole time. But he's not. There is that human that he has
0: yeah and that's why i said i connected with his story more than Paige's story i don't know if there's a better way for the movie to convey this to be honest with you i don't have any grand thoughts about how they could have improved it both of these kids spend their whole lives wanting to reach this pinnacle of the wrestling mountain i can't imagine what it must be like for you to come so close and this is one of those things that i imagine was probably fictionalized just for brevity and clarity of the story, for him not to be signed and then flame out, but rather just be cut from the tryouts, right? And then just the sister moves on. But to be that close, where you're called in for the tryout, one step away from being in the developmental leagues of the WWE, effectively, and not make it. And not only that, but your sister or your sibling, regardless of gender, gets through. It would have been so easy to have just a monochromatic reaction to that, whether it's full on, yeah, I'm just happy for her or full on, no, I'm just going to be a dick the rest of my life. The character was pretty well written and very well acted in that complexity of emotion, because you're right. He's got that blank, almost disbelief reaction, right? And let's just go, let's just go. And then he shows up with the sister to the family gathering to announce the result. And he's the supportive brother at that point, but then when she's gone. He kind of falls off the rails and can't find the satisfaction in his life anymore, and it takes him a while to find that, mostly through, I think, the conversation he has where his sister does point out that George Bailey-esque quality of, listen, think of all these amazing things and these amazing influences you have on the people around you in this small area of England. Just because a million people ain't chanting your name doesn't mean you're not doing something worthwhile and something great with your life. And honestly, one of the most touching things in this movie was that blind student of his that was just amazing. And the fact that it's apparently true and that he became a professional wrestler at some level afterwards, according to the postscript of the movie, is just mind-blowing to me, but shows what a good teacher this Zach guy must be. I loved the way they portrayed that arc. I thought it was super well done. I kind of wanted a little bit more of an emphasis on Paige's development, because it didn't feel like she had a ton in comparison. Right out the get-go, she's talented. We get that. And then she's insecure. We get that. This is not me ragging on the actress whose name I'm blanking on right now. Florence Pugh? Florence Pugh, yeah. I always called her Frances Pugh. Frances Pugh. In one of the podcasts with Bev, but it's Florence. I thought she was very, very good in the movie as well. Where she's just like, I reached this goalpost, and I made it, I reached this goalpost, and I didn't quite, and now I'm inspired again, so I'm going to make it again. It just kind of felt like it was chopped up very discreetly that way for her, where the other guy was a little bit more nuanced.
1: That's probably true. Her arc isn't nearly as good as his, partly because, apart from when she does sulk when she comes home, I don't blame her, she misses home. She misses her brother and her parents, and she doesn't fit in with anybody. But that's one reason why they picked her. In fact, I read that, and I believe that they did pick her because she looks so different. When I've seen images and clips and things of the real page with some of the other wrestlers of that era, and I think some of them are supposed to be those women who aren't going by their character names or their real names, although she is. Her real name is Saroya, but those characters are composites, I believe, just like Vince Vaughn's playing a composite trainer. So this guy named Bill DeMott, who's fired because he was a bully from what I understood, is in a way who he's representing. Dusty Rhodes, the legendary Dusty Rhodes, did promo class. And then a wrestler handled the stuff that you see Vince Vaughn doing with the ring stuff. And then the actual recruiting was probably somebody else. But they made it into one character. And I think Vince Vaughn's actually quite good in a subdued role. Mm -hmm. He was in Be Cool with The Rock, where he is so over the top and silly in that movie. But in this, he's so toned down. And like a lot of guys who can be funny when they tone it down, they might even be better. So the real Charlotte, I think, is supposed to be one of those blondes, meaning Ric Flair's daughter. Oh, yeah. And the real... I don't know. Becky Lynch is a big star now. I think she's one of them as well. And I think Paige fit in better, but they had to have their drama. That's really the biggest drama she has in the whole movie. The biggest conflict is with them. So if she had fit in with them from the beginning, rather than earning that, and they earned it from her too, earning the respect and the trust. If they all fit in with each other right away, then what is her drama apart from I miss my family and I feel bad for my brother, but they had to invent that, I guess, to make there be something for her to not want to be there for, to not really fit in. Although, she gets to work out in Florida. And they did shoot a lot of the scenes, the NXT scenes in Florida. They shot in California. They shot in England. So, this movie went all over the world. I guess when you're The Rock, you can make that happen without really that many big names in this movie. He's by far the biggest name. But Florence P wasn't going in. Vince Vaughn. Yeah, okay. That's a big name. Lena Headey, I guess, is too. And Stephen Merchant making his, I think, third movie. He's directed three films. I didn't know he directed anything other than this movie. And he wrote it, too. So, the tall, gangly guy. He's even taller oh, really? than The Rock. The guy from The, the Office. Extras and The Office and... He's been in a lot of things. But when I just watch Hot Fuzz, he's got a fun little role in that. He's in The Great Jojo Rabbit from a couple of years ago. That's right. He's a bit of a comedy legend at this point, but he directed and wrote this film. I think he did a pretty solid job. It's not hilarious. I didn't laugh all that much. But I was invested in her arc, I guess a little bit more than you were. Certainly was invested in Zach's arc. Did you have anything you didn't like at the movie? Flat out now? Crap. Did you like all the actors at least?
0: All the performances I thought were fine to pretty great. Nick Frost, I basically like in everything, it doesn't matter what he does, he's not given a ton to do by other movies he's carried standards, and same with Lena Headey. I agree with you, I thought Vince Vaughn did a pretty solid job in a role that needed him to be much more toned down to be effective. I just found myself gravitating more towards Zach's stories than Paige's. I mentioned she took a lot of shit when she was coming up, just because she did look a little bit different. A little bit goth out versus the blonde tanned fitness model look of a lot of the wwe divas for the most part leaving aside the chinas of the world and by the way i hate
1: that expression for them i'm so glad they got divas? rid of that whenever that was a few years ago i hated when they changed it it was women's wrestling with moolah and those kinds of people wendy richter back in the day when we were young and i don't know when it changed but when they started getting really good talents like trish stratus around that time let's call it divas oh i hated hearing her say that maybe the greatest women's wrestler of all time, at least in WWE saying that, but at least the great ones now don't have to go by that. They're just
0: women's wrestlers. That might've just been one of those zeitgeisty type of marketing things. I think around the time that Trish Stratus was at her peak, that was just a term that was out there. Diva was a big thing in the moment. And so I'm sure some big brain at WWE was like, well, let's tap into this lingo. But I agree with you. I think it's stupid and I think it downplays the athleticism needed to achieve what they do in the ring. Why does it have to be divas for women?
1: It's silly. I think it's insulting when they call Whitney Houston that, or Celine Dion that, or Mariah Carey that. Because I think those are the ones that got that label. Because it implies that they're being difficult and hard to deal with and a pain in the ass, but also really talented. I don't know. Look up diva. I bet that's something like that. And I'm not sure that's why Vince McMahon or whoever gave it to the women wrestlers. But I never liked that word to begin with when I heard it for the singers. And then they give it to these women wrestlers, and some of whom were awesome It seemed even more insulting because of that, because I had a negative connotation with that word in my mind. Maybe I'm in the minority here.
0: I get what you're saying, but I think there are two different uses of the word. Historically Diva in the musical world, I think came up in opera. So it was just the lead operatic singer implying a vocal talent. So that's why if you say like Whitney Houston and those, I wouldn't necessarily apply a negative connotation to Diva. But if you just like, Hey, Ryan's a real Diva when we set up to podcast all because I watched the wrong movie. Whoa, Ryan. That is negative. I think in music specifically, it's not a big deal. But I think we're on the same page as far as the wrestling goes. When she's going out on the NXT, I guess it's not really a tour. They're just doing promo matches to see who can handle the crowds, who can deliver the lines and stuff like that. And she's getting ragged on and really being ripped into for her outfit, for her look. Her outfit in this movie was probably purposefully a little bit more conservative i would guess because the actress didn't want to wear what page probably did wear in the ring which was bikini-esque leathery type of thing but the problem i had with all this is gothy or not pew florence pew is a very attractive young woman and page is also a very attractive woman i can't imagine a world where aside from standing next to the supermodels that just seem to populate all movies these days When are they ever going to be anything but beautiful to anybody when they step into the ring? To the point where they're going to get ripped on by the crowds for it, I couldn't wrap my head around that. Even next to the three women in this movie that she's trying out with, cohabitates with, who are meant to be models and actresses, dancers, what have you. They're all very pretty too, but I didn't think, frankly, any of them were particularly more attractive than Ellen or Florence Pugh rather. So when she's being razzed all the time, I don't know why she's getting this hard time from everybody. I looked up Paige on Wikipedia before we sat
1: down to record. I know what she looks like anyway, but just to remind myself. And no, she's not the beautiful blonde that they cast in this movie. Forget Florence P for a second, but the actual person. But in a different way, I'm agreeing with you completely. She's got her own cool look. But you're right, there's no way that this person would be thought of as unattractive. And the actress playing her, now you're not experienced with her yet like I am. I think I've seen her in something like four things. I said this on Midsummer with Bev. Florence Pugh, I think, is the most fascinating looking person to come down the pike in a while in the sense of, I don't want to objectify her because she's so remarkably talented, but I just want to look at her. She's a fascinating looking person. But exactly, it's a bit of a stretch
0: for anyone to say she's not going to be looked at as good or better as these other people. It would probably help to know exactly where fact ends and fiction begins, because this is not, I don't think, described as a biopic. I think it's loosely based on Paige's life, my assumption going in, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe this is exactly what she experienced when she was coming up through the developmental ranks of WWE, but my assumption is that these kinds of insults, these kinds of experiences on a more detailed level were fictionalized events just for the purposes of the movie, and it just broadly captures Paige's journey. But if this is what she experienced, then I swallow all of it. Maybe I'm entirely wrong. Maybe people, if they go to wrestling, just want to see blondes and anything different they'll rip on
1: one thing I read is that she did not struggle with the crowd that night when she came out on Raw and then won the championship from AJ Lee, who's also a beautiful woman, but that's not the actual AJ Lee that's playing her, it's some other wrestler. Just looked at a stunt double to do at least some of the wrestling for Pew. I don't think they had her do a ton of wrestling for Florence Pew, but enough of it. So anyway, when she came out, apparently the crowd responded because they recognized, maybe not the music, although probably that too, but they recognized who she was because NXT by that point was getting to be bigger. They knew about people like her and Charlotte Flair and whoever else. And a lot of guys who became big stars and women who became big stars. So it wasn't like she was a nobody, but that, again, is just more drama for the film. And when she won, people responded big time because, A, it was a shock that anybody who just came onto the roster five minutes ago won the title, but also because we like her. And, oh, my God, she just won. So that is definitely a fictionalized thing. Her meeting up with The Rock that night, I guess, is possible because he was in Louisiana the night before WrestleMania, that iconic moment where he, Stone Cold Steve Austin, and Hulk Hogan were all in the same Mm -hmm. ring together to open the show. And I guess the other thing that Vaughn is playing as a composite character in addition to Bill DeMod and Dusty Rhodes is Mick Foley because Rock says about how this guy threw himself off a steel cage, which was not for Rock in any of their matches, but he did crazy things to help the Rock become the star he became. So in some ways, Vince Vaughn's playing that character too. One more thing about Vaughn I liked an awful lot was the scene on the phone when Zach calls him and basically wants to be told, what am I doing wrong? Mm -hmm. Um, The point is just, you don't have it. And I do wish there'd been one more line in there, but I love the honesty of that because that is what this guy thinks is true. He doesn't have to be right. Doesn't mean you should stop trying to live your dream. And I wish he'd said that a little bit extra, which is, I don't think you're right for us. He wasn't saying, give it up, kid, but he was implying, give it up, kid. And it should have been one more thing, which was, you're not going to make it here. Doesn't mean you'll never, ever make it here, but I don't think you have it. But I still like the way that was played, which was so matter of fact, which is,
0: no, you're not it. I like that a lot, too. Before I address that, though, because I think there's a whole other side conversation off of that. I meant to ask you anyway, and I think this transitions really well. But before we go down that road, just to close out the pages struggle conversation the one thing i think this movie did really well and it surprised me because i didn't think it had it in it was the little subversion of expectations with those three young women that she was training with were built up to believe that oh paige is being bullied by these stuck up model type characters no not really she's just been so aloof that she's never gotten to know them or anything that they're going through either and no they're not just here to shake their tits and ass but they're busting their humps too. They've got things to fight for. And sorry, Paige, you've been a bit of a dick this whole time to them. You just kind of expect them to be the bullies and she overcomes them and yay, you're all very happy, but no, they did a good job of humanizing all of those side characters a little bit too. To your point about Vince Vaughn, I agree too. It was a refreshing conversation, both because it was so matter of fact, so honest. But it also captured that kind of frustrating element of Zack's story that I think is part of the reason it got punched me so much and why I empathize so much for that character. It's it's not that you're not talented, kid, but you don't have it. You don't have the ability Mm -hmm. to step up to a mic and capture the 20,000 people in the arena. And this movie, to its credit, it would be very easy for WWE to not sign off on something that didn't make it look like a fantastic organization. But they say right out these opportunities will be gone by next week if you're not able to win that crowd over in the next two minutes so can you imagine aside from being so close to your dream and having it snatched away from you but nothing to do with your desire nothing to do with your work nothing to do with all the training you've done but it's just the charisma that you portray on the microphone or the charisma that comes across in the ring something that i don't know how you would ever change or affect meaningfully that's what's standing between you and your dream and so it's such a crushing blow and it's why after that conversation when he goes off the deep end, it didn't feel melodramatic, it didn't feel overplayed, it felt perfectly earned for Zach's character to be in the depth of depression where he just basically shrugs off the rest of his life because what's the point now? Nothing I work at matters because I just don't have it apparently another addition to that in a way then this
1: would be silly so i don't mean this literally but it'd be almost funny if you were to look up at the sky and curse god why didn't you give me it i've got so <laughs> many other talents he's not that big but i've got other talents i can do this i'm a good trainer but i don't have it and i also want to quote bowfinger such a great script such a funny movie but the guy who plays slater where he says about heather graham she could have it maybe <laughs> i love the way he says that line <laughs> But you're right. The it factor is something that you can't learn. You either have it or you don't. And that's also an opinion thing because some guys didn't have it when they were younger. Some of the people we think was huge stars. I think that's what was thought of with Mick Foley and Steve Austin by Vince McMahon. He brought them in just to be guys, not to be stars, especially Austin, who became such a giant star. Time and place is a huge factor in this. You get better at your craft and maybe you show more of your personality. You find the right character, the right character name. All these things go into it. But it is also about just getting over... The weirdness of standing there in effectively underwear in front of thousands of people, usually tens of thousands of people, and some of these WrestleManias, around 100,000 people, they fudge those numbers, but still, risking your health every minute, you're doing something that could hurt you, trusting someone else not to hurt you, but also putting across what has to be an over-the-top thing. You're an athletic actor, as I like to call them, really, but you also have to have the ability to connect with the audience, but even that's subjective because maybe a guy or a woman could connect with a different audience on a different night. There is no real formula for this. It's just dumb luck sometimes. I haven't done the numbers yet in this movie, and they're pretty strong. So the Rotten Tomatoes critics, 93% of them are in favor of this film, and 86% of audiences. And it was 91st at the 2019 U.S. box office. Richard Jewell was 95th. That's the Clint Eastwood movie about the Olympics in 96. And this is something we probably should cover one day, but it's not a wrestling movie, so maybe far into the future of this year. But The Peanut Butter Falcon was 100th that year at the box office. That's a surprisingly charming movie with Shia LaBeouf. It's a good little movie. I was okay. surprised by that one. Also about wrestling, although it's a very small part of that film. It's more of a character study. But yeah, this movie was pretty well liked by the audiences. And like I said, it succeeded for the most part. Maybe that's because Rock was involved so much. He's produced 10 pictures in his career. He has 10 more in the works. Oh, You look at his IMDb resume and so many things are in development. And he's worked with Stephen Merchant before because they're both in The Tooth Fairy. <laughs> I don't remember that movie. I saw it. I don't remember Merchant being in that. Rock's actually been in, I guess, four sports movies, and we could cover them. I don't think we will necessarily, but Gridiron Gang, football. The Game Plan was also football, I think, right? And The Tooth Fairy was hockey, and of course, this wrestling film. And he also did a scene after Raw. So in reality, after they had a show, he did a scene for the movie, and he called CM Punk. The fans were chanting for him, so he just called him but Punk didn't answer the phone. He wasn't home. Apparently he was walking his dog or something. and didn't have his phone on him or whatever it was. And that made Vince McMahon very angry because they were in a lawsuit with him. But rock is so big that even when he shows up with them for a little while and making a movie with them, because they were a production company on this too, that that didn't end their relationship. A lot of people would have, they would say, well, fuck you bastard. (laughs) You're done. But the rock can do whatever
0: he wants to. When you're that big, you can just basically do anything you want there's very little repercussions because even somebody like vince mcmahon realizes it's more beneficial to suck it up and take your lumps than to try to cut out somebody as popular as dwayne johnson with respect to you got it or you don't the wishy-washy nature of fame in wrestling all i could think about during that segment of the movie anyway was beyond the mat and what we saw Mm -hmm. in that movie how disposable some of these poor people were to Vince McMahon personally, but to the organization generally. And it's just like you said, how many stories have we heard where somebody does something that Vince McMahon didn't like? And even if you're a popular wrestler, few people are as bulletproof as The Rock is these days. So even if you're popular and you displease Vince McMahon, well, you're out on your ass and you're done at the drop of a hat. It rang true because Vince Vaughn's character at in the movie, even before we kind of know his exact backstory from The Rock. And incidentally, Sex Tape as a nickname, while kind of gross, it's still one of the greatest nicknames as far as creativity I think I've ever heard. He's going to make you famous. I don't know if I'd ever want anybody calling me Sex Tape in public, but I want something that creative at least. But before we even know Vince Vaughn's story to that extent, the way he describes the misery of being a journeyman wrestler you're on the road 200 days a year you're getting your ass handed to you so somebody else can look good and while hearing that and knowing what we saw in beyond the mat and knowing how cutthroat the business is it's hard sometimes to even root for people to succeed in the wwe because as successful as somebody becomes it's all to benefit this horrible human being at the top it's just one of those catch-22s where you're very happy for Paige, but at the same time, you're like, oh man, I really kind of hate seeing the organization succeed because they're kind of dicks.
1: Well, and Mick Foley, for example, like we talked about earlier, has done very well for himself financially and fame. He's still beloved to this day. And then Beyond the Matter, of course, he and The Rock had that epic chairs confrontation at the Royal Rumble, which we talked about plenty in that podcast. But Foley is not even close to as famous or as successful financially as guys he helped make famous, like The Rock. Steve Austin I don't think he begrudges them that exactly he knows his role if you will like the rock would say you mentioned it helps out Vince McMahon and I don't want that to be a thing either because fuck that guy basically but even just from the standpoint of the guys at the top Hulk Hogan is not a very popular person with a lot of people in this business and some of the things that he's done over the years have been to benefit Hulk Hogan and only Hulk Hogan but there's a fairly small handful of people at any one time they're the top guys or the top women so you're talking about the sacrifices you have to make, and you're making those sacrifices not only to make a rich man even richer and his family, meaning Vince, but even other people that in many cases you may not like all that much. And they're the ones that are going to get the huge payoff that you probably never really will. And Paige might have been at the very top of this company if she'd lasted longer, but then the neck injury happened. She started at 18. That's how old she's supposed to be. Oh, really? When Pew and Loudon are at the training center in Florida when she's picked. But she only wrestled for another couple of years, I guess it was, till she had to quit. And when she was doing the GM role, I'm sure that paid okay, but nowhere near as much. Guys and women, I'm sure too, don't want to give this up because of so many factors. And this certainly came up in other wrestling movies we've covered. It is the money and it's also the fame and it's the addiction to that. Which they haven't had for a year and counting. No one has really, I guess a little bit when it comes to other sports, they've had some kind of reaction. Football's had that kind of reaction to a degree, but people that do performance for a living, must be going nuts the past year because they don't have that. And wrestlers, I don't mean this as a criticism about them, are addicted to it. I think that's one of the reasons why a Mick Foley doesn't really retire when he should
0: and why other guys stick it out longer than they should. And women too. Yeah, it's an adrenaline rush. I can't blame them. I thought actually this movie did a very good job in that one scene of Zack and Paige walking to try to find the tryout when they come through the set up stage area within the stadium and they walk through the entrance with the enormous lit walkway and stuff and the way they're framed there you're so used to seeing that entrance only within the context of some bombastic entrance by an enormous over-the-top human being but you see two normal people walking in and staring around sort of wide-eyed you realize This is so abnormal and so strange, and it must be such an enormous adrenaline rush when you come out to the loud music and, like you said, the cheers or the jeers, whatever your role is, just some reaction. It was a fairly laid-back scene, but just seeing them take it in, I get it. That's got to be something else to experience. And I know we talked about athletes walking away or not because they crave that attention from the fans, that kind of adulation, that roar of the crowd... But it's so singular in wrestling. It's you. And you're given that moment specifically in the sun with your walkout music to be cheered and have your moment on stage. If I ever had that opportunity, I'd probably first have a heart attack, then just love life for 30 seconds, then be scared shitless and good on him. I didn't realize that her character was meant to be quite that young. And I kind of wish now that the movie had made it a little bit more clear that she was just 18 when she went away to Florida because maybe that's another one of those hurdles that she has to overcome is just her sheer definitely youth and her inexperience because it's not only is she young she's from norwich england i guess they've probably toured the country in their van doing these little shows but i'm sure she's not a terribly experienced and worldly person at this point in her life no we didn't really see that element of it we just saw her sort of locked away in the condominium that they give her and the other women that are training for nxt but we're not given any of that wide-eyed experiential stuff where you're a fish out of water and you're alone frankly so i think that could have been an element to it that maybe was missing slightly but you know what you can't have too many roadblocks to overcome in the space of like 30 minutes however long that actual training element was merchant may
1: argue that he put that across visually by just showing her in the place by herself he also knows where his bread's butter because the very first thing you see or hear well first thing you hear after the opening vanity credits is if you're and then you see the rock wrestling triple h yep so very smartly, I don't know, maybe The Rock wanted him to do that anyway, but Merchant Knows where's bread's butter by doing that. This movie's got comedic elements, but at the same point, it's a sad story a lot of the time, including Zack deliberately getting into a bar brawl, I guess maybe so he could say, I got to feel something, I got to feel like I'm tough, or maybe I want to be punished, I want to punish myself. He's the one that outs Paige when she comes home for Chris Massacre, and he tells the parents she's quitting, they're so upset because they've all wanted this for so long. Frost and Heidi, as a combination, by the way, are relatively accurate Lena Headey is so good looking, so the real person can't be as attractive. But Nick Frost is pretty good casting. The real Ricky, though, wanted Ray Winstone to play him. Well oh, that would have been I good. I guess maybe Nick Frost being a little tubby and stuff. And Winstone is probably a little better looking and definitely a better actor. But Nick Frost, you know what his debut was? Shaun of the Dead. One of the better comic-supporting performances anyone's ever done. That was his first ever movie. And in the end, I guess the real Ricky liked what Frost did. But at first, he wasn't that thrilled about it. And then you mentioned Headey being in Game of Thrones, of course. Also, the 300 movies, the two of them, where she's played it so serious, but she's so loose in this in comparison. She plays yeah. it more fun. She gets to have more fun for once. But most of the things she's best known for, even her villainous role in Dread, dead serious. But it seems like she could be a fun actress, and she gets to play that in this movie. Which, by the way, was based on a 2012 documentary by Max Fisher, not the guy from Rushmore, <laughs> not the character from Rushmore, but somebody named Max Fisher called The Wrestlers, Fighting With My Family. And I guess The Rock saw that, got inspired, and wanted to make this movie. So this movie wouldn't exist. If he didn't happen to see that documentary on TV one night, I think when he was in England is what I heard somewhere. Well, of course, he would have probably known a little bit about Paige, but maybe didn't know her real story. Maybe barely knew her at all because he had quit and stopped being a regular long before she ever came along. She was
0: still a little kid when Rock quit and went to movies. I liked the touch of Zach intentionally going to the pub after the Christmas massacre and getting into that fight. It called back a couple of other earlier points in this movie. We learn about... Ricky's other son, Roy, who is also a wrestler and also wasn't able to crack the WWE tryouts to get into NXT, but he also got into a fight. I think they said he hit somebody with a piece of asphalt or something and put them in a coma. So he's in jail right now. Mm. We see him briefly. He's jogging with
1: Zach. Zack. When Zack's at one of his worst moments.
0: Yeah, exactly. And in fact, I think was the impetus for Zack turning around in terms of his attitude was that line from Roy that says, she's got a secret weapon. She's got something I never had, and that's you. We don't really know Roy's direct relationship to Zack and Paige, whether that was like a half-brother from Ricky's earlier relationship. We just know he's Ricky's son and in jail and also a wrestler. Ricky himself went to jail too. And then Julia, that's
1: TD's character, tried to kill herself. So, like I said, this movie's funny at times, but there's some dark-ass stuff
0: in it. Well, they're playing the salvation of a passion, whether that's wrestling, religion, or whatever. They directly relate wrestling to religion a number of times as something that was the salvation of the family. But why I bring up Roy is because, of course, early in the movie, when this is still when Zack's got all the hope in the world about being a superstar, we're introduced to his girlfriend, who he's gotten pregnant, and then, of course, to Stephen Merchant as the father of this girlfriend, with an actress who I don't know, playing the wife. Zach is just begging his family, please be normal, please be normal. And they can't even really pull it together for one dinner. And then, of course, they're told about Roy being in jail. And you can just see Stephen Merchant's eyes go wide, like what's my daughter getting into? They specifically have that dialogue in there saying, well, no, no, Zach's going to make it. Zach's fantastic. Zach's not going to fall down the same pitfalls as Roy. And of course, we see him doing pretty much exactly that later in the movie when he's in that same presumably despairing mindset that roy was in when it all went sideways for him i thought it was fairly well done and then of course for roy to be the one that later on says well no no i didn't make it because i didn't have you in my corner she does so she's got the shot credit to i guess Stephen merchant i didn't realize he also wrote this in addition to producing and directing it so for all he's done in comedy to then put out movies like this that have a little bit of pathos to them, a little bit of comedy, but really blend it well. I'm jealous. <laughs> I'm jealous. He did a
1: solid job. And he's in it, too. He acted, so he's got four jobs in this movie. By the way, the actress is Julia Davis, who plays Daphne, so that's Merchant's wife. If you go into her resume on IMDb, you keep scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. So much television. That's her biggest thing. She's also in Love, actually. But anyway, so she's a pretty good combination with him as the parents of... What is the character's name again? Courtney? i didn't write her name down before or maybe it's hannah i don't know all these names that mean nothing to me we'll move on the family aspect though i like how they literally are fighting each other well wrestling each other in the opening of the movie and then Soraya gets a little older whatever Brittany page gets a little older and they have these matches it's the parents versus the kids and the kids win but one of the reasons why this movie worked on me the first time and just as much the second time in this one element especially is once she wins the title and of course they're showing the family through the whole thing and rock had talked to them on the phone the night before at wrestlemania and the private box the way the family reacts obviously zach is finally in her corner so he's leading the cheers he's not being sullen anymore i admit made me a little misty yeah it's a really touching way that merchant shows how invested they are in her and how much they love her and how much they're glad she's doing this at all and then doing what she's doing which is winning the title the first night in the company in that part of the company the main roster
0: this is a movie that doesn't really work very well without the, with the family element. It's all well and good to see Paige's journey, but if you take that away from the, her family and all that's going on behind the scenes, I just don't know if you've got much of a movie there. So to see the family humanized and reacting the way you do, we see the father character played by Nick Frost being the driving element of their family's wrestling business, of their training, of their shows. Well, not really the training. I guess Zach has taken over the actual training at this point, but. We see him pushing this love of wrestling on everybody and then when paige wants to quit he wrestles with it but ultimately becomes the father that just truly wants his daughter to be happy and is more than willing to support her and just giving it all up if that's what it's going to take so it humanizes him so that when you get to that pinnacle of the mountain later and he's sort of teary-eyed and weeping you realize okay well she's not just fulfilling her father's dream he's incredibly happy about it he's proud as all get out but this is legitimately her dream because she had her out she had the opportunity to quit. Her family would have supported that, and she didn't take it. Just those little moments were so well done, up to and including, and I know you said you didn't laugh very much at this. I think the moments I laughed the most were involving The Rock in some way, shape, or form. They're in the tryout, and they catch The Rock, Zach, and Paige, and they keep calling him He tries to leave to go to his rehearsal. That was funny. And by the fourth time, he doesn't get angry. Hey, Rock! And he just sort of like reaches out and slams the junction box and then turns around with a big smile on his face. Yeah, guys, what's up? And then later on in the movie, when he's calling the family with Paige to say, hey, she's going on Raw tomorrow night, they call the father's telephone line and he answers and say, hey, who is this? Oh, it's this Jwayne Johnson. Oh, yeah, bollocks. Who is this really? Prove it. If you smell what the rock is cooking. And of course, the expected response is, it hey, is the rock. Oh, my God, it's you. And then his response is actually, ah, bullshit. And then hangs up the phone. The daughter needs to call back to say, dad, it's really him.
1: Don't hang up again. Anybody can do the rocks thing. (laughs) Well, as far as the depiction of the sport, I think it's pretty good. The sport, well, it's still a sport. What they're doing is athletic. We've talked about this in other wrestling podcasts. I think it's stupid when people call this fake. They're not faking it. They're just not actually hurting each other deliberately. Like I said, they use doubles for some of the wrestling. I thought it was convincing anyway. Pew, if she's doing very much of it. And she has to be doing some of it. You see her face a fair amount. It's pretty convincing. Those suicide dives, I'm sure, weren't her and the other actresses, but they made that finally work. That was a little running theme as well when they dive through the ropes and sink. I also just love the spirit, and there is a sense of humor in this whole movie the camaraderie, the family story, all very touching stuff. And as for can you score? Well, you've got Leni Heedy, the other women wrestlers, not to mention Pew, who's a beautiful woman, and of course The Rock. So you could score at this movie, even though it's a very nice movie and not really built for, yeah, let's go. We don't have very many movies that we've ever covered where we can say that about, though. Most sports movies are
0: not sexual. And we discovered that when we were specifically trying to find a sports movie that would be a little bit on the raunchier side for episode 69. That's a tough needle to thread, we found out. We know what would have been the choice, but Bev and I covered it years ago, so there's no point doing it
1: now here. I don't want to do it. Well, I guess I could do it one day with you many years from now, but Bull Durham. Some of the hotter sex scenes of the 80s are in that movie. One of the great comedy, sports, and
0: then eventually sex movies of the 80s. (laughs) Yeah, I guess we could someday. I thought the depiction of the sport was pretty darn good, to be honest with you, and impressed with the way they portrayed a lot of the amateur wrestling and the training and stuff like that. They really do a great job of showing you the training that goes in, the repetition and the sheer muscle memory you need to pull off some of these moves without injuring each other. The way they did that with Zach's gym and training the kids, in particular, like I said, Callum the Blind Kid, the most impressive story of all, maybe. The way Florence Pugh played the character, the extent to which she was using doubles for the wrestling, I didn't really pick up on very much, so well done there. It's a good movie. I was surprised. Happy we finally got to watch this one. I'd give it a 7.5 out of 10. How about you? Yeah, I think that's a fair score. Somewhere in the 7.5 to 8 range. I thought it was really well done, flawed in very small ways, but... For what it's trying to do, it's hard to criticize it too hard. Especially if you're a wrestling fan in particular, I think it's hard to go wrong here. Then you have to see this movie. If you haven't, then you're nuts because it's definitely worth your time. The last moment, I have to call out the cameo that The Big Show had in this. I loved, aside from maybe Dwayne Johnson and Paul White, there's few wrestlers I can think of that had comedic delivery that they can really pull off terribly well. But Big Show's got it. And when he says, you know, I'm an emotional eater, (laughs) I'm trying to keep the weight off. And there's just like a pile of hot dogs in front of him. And I don't know the other wrestler's name that he was with. That's Seamus. Is it Seamus? And he's like, no, no, you'll work it off in the ring. And then Paige walks in and just grabs like three hot dogs and walks out. And of course, she's like all of two and a half feet shorter than Paul White. Mm -hmm. That was a good moment. Well done. All right. Well, that's fighting with my family. Good movie.
1: I'm assuming you fans have seen it. If you listen to this podcast, if you haven't watch it, you'll enjoy yourself. The WWE pushed back the date for WrestleMania, so it's still over a month away. They're now doing it on April 10th and 11th, like last year. They're doing a two-day thing. Now, Ryan, before we sign
0: off, can you attempt a Jimmy Stewart impression of saying, "If you smell what Jimmy is cooking"? Well, well, let me, let me just say something here, Mr. Potter. If you smell what
1: the what the George is cooking. That was everything I hoped it would be. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Not my best impression, but I do like doing it. Okay, well, in two weeks, it'll be March 18th, and that's the very day the NCAA Basketball Final Four tournament is supposed to kick off. Sounds like it's going to happen. So it's finally time to talk about a movie I like a lot. Chris already watched it, like we said, a few minutes ago. He wasn't supposed to, but he already has thoughts. He'll save them for next podcast, which we're going to do in a couple days. But it's Glory Road, Josh Lucas film about a real-life story. Again, we keep on having these real-life stories. not really intentional, all these biographical films this year. Fighting with My Family, Glory Road. We're going to do 42 soon, so Jackie Robinson and some of the ones we've done recently, like Invincible and Invictus, all real stories. Mm-hmm. That's in two weeks. So we're on Twitter. I am at MovieFiend51. Chris is at Scoring at Movies. And, of course, you can find this podcast, any old place, if you found it on Stitcher but prefer Spotify, Do that if you like other things, Deezer, Amazon Music, we're everywhere. And, of course, we have a website, too, on Podbean. Well, well, uh, take her easy page. Please don't give me a a receipt. I don't need any receipts because I'm getting brittle as it is.